Hi there, and thanks for joining us. Coming up on this week's podcast, well, it's a Cork programme, but sometimes you have to say hello to the neighbours. And as a result, there are two Kerry people lining up to tell us about two very different businesses. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business Podcast with CompuBee Business. Improving productivity with the latest Apple technology. CompuBee.com. And the first of the two Kerry residents to talk to us today is the VP of Operations at Populo. And she's also very much involved in RebelCon 2018. Stephanie Sheehan, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Jonathan. How are you? As a Kerry exile in Cork, how have we been treating you over the years? Oh, very well. I have to say I have no complaints so far. And have you fully converted now at this stage? God, no. No, that's never going to happen. No, no. We have to stay true to our roots. And when you have children at home now, do they don the red of cork or they the do. green and gold? Oh, they, they do. do. I can yes. see the hurt in your eyes. Yeah. I can <laughs> actually there. see it. It's there, yeah. But well, what can you do? What can you do? Tell me about RebelCon 2018. What's it all about? So RebelCon 2018 is, uh, I guess, it's the second year that we're running this technology conference. Um, we founded it last year. It was a premier year. Um, it's designed and dedicated to software practitioners. So anybody involved in building software, everything from ideation through to design, through to build, through to quality testing um, and also the culture and around developing software. So it's designed for practitioners on the ground, people who are actually hands on developing. And when you get that group of people together, because it, it's still relatively new, let's let's not pretend sure. this is something that is a centuries old practice. You yeah. know, we've only been doing this really well for the last 10 years or so. When you get people together, what kind of a group do you get? It's it's an amazing group, to be honest, Jonathan. It's very creative and uh, innovative. And you're right, it is actually evolving. The, the practice and the craft of software development is actually evolving. And actually, what I'm finding is it's 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 actually changing to a much more collaborative and inclusive process. When I started off, I started off as a developer uh, a good few years ago. And what you did was you got your list of requirements, you coded it up and you and you moved it on down the line and you didn't even know what it was you were building, really. And that's evolved. That's evolved hugely now. Now what we're seeing is uh, collaboration, cross-functional people coming together, designers, product managers, um, understanding and going out to the customers, understanding what is the problem we're trying to solve? How What is the best way to solve that problem. So it's a huge, it's a, it's a much different um, craft and it's a much different discipline than it used to be. So the people that are drawn to that now and the people that are attracted to that and involved in that are very creative people. So lots of ideas and lots of initiatives. What was the genesis of your involvement in this? How did you become a software developer, a coder? How, how did that happen? Uh, how did I become a coder? That's a good question. I... I'm not sure because when I joined, when I started college, uh, that was a long time ago, 1996, and I... It's not that long ago now, steady on. Well, okay. Thanks, John. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what computer science was, and that's what interested me. That's what attracted me to it in the first place. I had no previous knowledge of it. I had no experience yeah, of but it. But I didn't know what archaeology was, but I wasn't rushing in to pick up a trowel. I mean, there was something that drew you to it. Yeah, I loved... Uh, I love flow. I love getting lost in something. And there's a a huge satisfaction when you build something, when you create something, when you write code that actually works. Now, don't get me wrong, it's a hugely frustrating process sometimes and it takes a long time to get there. But when you actually create something and when you write code and it works and you have that satisfaction, there's nothing better. That's the flow that I was attracted to and that's the, the part of the discipline I love. So, so going back to 96 uh, and you doing computer science uh, and, and without stereotyping, 
were there many other women in the class at the time? You'd be surprised. In my class, there was about 50-50 split at that time. Yeah, okay, so there were the early adapters were getting involved. I think so. But what happened was when I graduated, very little of them continued on to become software developers. A lot of the women in the class, they moved on to become business analysts or they moved into the business in other areas. They didn't actually stick with the discipline of, of software development for whatever reason. Uh, it wasn't attractive enough for them. There's probably a cultural element here as well because it is a very male heavy environment, uh, the is. world of software development. And what was that like? I mean, you, you strike me as somebody who, who just won't take and tolerate that kind of stuff if, if you come up against it. But, yeah. you know, when you're in that world, is it is it more difficult as a woman? I never found it difficult. My own personal experience was not a difficult one. The The people in, in that uh, environment are are fantastic. I've never had a situation where I felt I'm a woman in a male dominated uh, environment. I, I didn't feel it. Um, it's not something that I saw. But like I said, evol- uh, this is evolving. Software development as a craft is evolving. Now it's a much more collaborative process. And that's where women are actually very, very strong and very much needed to come in. It's a lot to do with relationship building, understanding customers, empathy, coming together cross-functionally, which can be dif- difficult actually to, to, to merge lots of different disciplines together to produce one thing. And that's where women are very, very strong. And that's not to take away from their um, software development skills and their, their technical skills, but it's an additional skill that they bring to the table. So that's the part I think that now... Uh, should be attracting more women into the industry. And when you go and talk to schools, because I know you do this kind of thing, yeah. and you talk to, to young girls about their options. Yes. Uh, w- what's the reaction you get from them? I mean, do you, do you go into a class and out of maybe 30, you see five wide eyes going, yeah, absolutely, I love this. And then the rest of them are not at the races at all when it comes to it. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what I see. Um, I think our culture today is 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 so different. Uh, there's a lot of emphasis on on celebrity and um, getting in front of cameras and, and that type of thing. And you, you hear that back from the children a lot. I had a very personal experience myself, my own niece, who's 14 at the time. Uh, and I've been in software development for years. I'm her only aunt. <laughs> and she turned around one day, I was helping her with her homework. She was trying to finish out her maths homework and I was helping her with it. And she turned around and I said, you know what you should do? You should join the coding class in, in school. It's a fantastic opportunity to do something. And she said, but coding is for boys and geeks. Why would I do that? Which absolutely shocked me because... Did you point out that you were neither a boy nor a geek? I did. (laughs) I felt the need to do that, Jonathan. I won't deny it. Uh, It shocked me and uh, I asked her to do it anyway. And she did do it and she loved it, absolutely loved it. And she came back to me afterwards and said how fantastic it was, what they were building, what they were creating. Um... But that perception that she had, despite the fact that she had a role model right there in mm. front of her in that industry, is amazing. See, the funny thing is the, the clever kids are the ones who are going to embrace this. Because yeah. when you look at how the world has changed, yeah. and even now I've got in my pocket here, I have my mobile phone that yeah. contains God knows how many apps, how many um, websites that are developed exclusively for mobile and have lots of clever code to sure. make me buy stuff. Okay, it, When you look at it, it we're, not, we're in the middle of a revolution right now sure. and the people who are going to do well out of it are the ones who knows what's going on behind the glass. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And it's moving so fast that even the skills that we're teaching now in the colleges are almost defunct. Um, you know, even even coders themselves are becoming almost obsolete because of machine learning and artificial intelligence coming down the line now. And there's a short so, run. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's That's how fast it's evolving. So the industry, the technologies, uh, the knowledge is evolving so fast. Um, it is the future. It is where it's at. Uh, and and definitely, I think we, we need to up our game in our educational system to be ahead of that. And if we don't, what happens? I mean, we've already lost decades that other countries, particularly the Asian countries, got in ahead of us and became really good at this while we are really playing catch up. If we don't get it right now, if we don't get UCC and CIT and all the other uh, third level institutions teaching this properly, what happens? I think it's critical. I think it's absolutely critical that we get it right. But I think a lot is actually happening. I'm seeing a, a change, a sea of change uh, in, in the way we're doing things. The colleges are getting much closer to the industry. Um, yesterday I was in CIT and we were talking about uh, apprenticeship schemes that the government want to bring in where they want to bring students right into industry very early on. I think that's critically important. Um, you can see uh, initiatives like Skillnet Cork, for example, Skillnet Ireland. They're working directly with industry to tailor training, to tailor it. They understand that the industry is moving faster that, than they are and they're getting in closer to it. And I think that's hugely positive. So I think we are upping our game. I think we are getting ahead of it. Populo uh, has uh, gone from strength to strength from uh, what was Newsweaver when it began right. and is yeah. now Populo, this fantastic. Is it fair to describe it as a, it's kind of a comms tool really, isn't it? That was the original plan. Is that still what it is? That's still what it is, yeah. We provide software and services for the uh, internal communications industry. So our client base are basically the huge, big global multinational companies who have hundreds of thousand employees spread across globally, lots of different uh, time zones and languages. And their problem is they can't communicate effectively with all of their employees. And what that leads to is disengaged employees who don't know what the company stands for, who don't know what, what they need to, to do. Um, and so then that causes turnover. So we're helping to solve that problem. We're giving them tools to do that. And it, it's it's gas that, you know, the old days of sending a letter around uh, are, are long gone. Even long gone. And of course, with GDPR now, we're not allowed to send emails nope. either, probably even yeah. internally. So it, there, there are many challenges thrown up by that internal communications thing. And you're designing the software. So is, I just have this image of you, it's in the equivalent of a computer lab, you and a few others kind of slaving over the laptop trying to come up with new and innovative ideas. Is, is that it? Is that how it works? That sounds good. Uh, I'm not sure it's quite that simple. We have a, we have a huge team dedicated to it. Um, we have over 60 engineers. We have a dedicated research uh, team at the moment who are out um, across uh, the States and Europe. Um, inside in these companies trying to understand how people receive communications. So everything from um, the truck drivers out on the on the roads to the people on the production lines mm. to the people sitting at their and desks. And it's, it's a, not just about receiving them but making sure they read it or making sure Absolutely. that it's in, it's in a form that they are not because we get bombarded. I mean the GDPR thing Yes. I don't know about you over the course of the last yes, week. Yeah. I mean, I, there, there's things that I remember I must have signed up to yeah. when I got my first email address that are pleading with me to hang around. I mean, it, it just shows you that communications can go wrong and oh, sure. go very badly wrong. Sure. And a lot of the time we dismiss it. There's so much information we're bombarded. We dismiss. We don't even take it in. And the, and the last part for our job is to figure out how do people consume information? 
the best way. You know, here today we're doing a podcast. Somebody else might prefer to watch a video. Somebody else might prefer to read an article. They'd prefer to listen to the podcast. Just but for the, the podcast record, is the best Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Every single time. Uh, Rebel Con 2018. It's on in the Clayton Hotel, uh, which is, I'll, I'll forever call it the Clarion, but that, I, that's yeah. the one in town. Uh, Thursday, the 21st of June and Friday, the 22nd of June. And rebelcon.ie is the website address. Can anyone go to it or is it is it exclusively for developers? Absolutely. It's open. No, it's, it's open to uh, everybody that is working in the area of software development and even uh, beyond the practical uh, technical um, disciplines themselves there is a huge part around the culture around how how to come together to build good software so it's not even just if you're a developer designer a QA tester a product manager even if you're a manager who's trying to build together a team or a culture or an organisation it's the perfect uh, conference to go to Well good luck with it and uh, thank you so much for coming in uh, Cork uh, for Sam this year obviously <laughs> enough but uh, we, I'll have my, my next guest might have a different opinion on that to me and I'll indeed to you I'll leave the next guest to argue yeah, that one Yeah Tommy will tell us more <laughs> Stephanie Sheehan VP of Operations at Populot and indeed uh, one of the people behind RebelCon 2018. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you Business. very much, Jonathan. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB Business. Improving productivity with the latest Apple technology. CompuB.com Now, we move on to our second Kerry interview of this particular podcast. Uh, you know, we let, like to let Kerry in a little earlier in the season, just to lull them into a false sense of security. So Tommy Doyle, uh, Kerry football legend, but uh, for this purpose, owner of Kinsale Bay Food Company. How are you? Hello, Jonathan. How are you? The first question I have to ask you is, how did a Kerry man who played football in the 70s end up in Cork and down in Kinsale making food. A long time ago and a long trip, Jonathan. Uh, I suppose I came from Kerry uh, 25 years ago in Ballincollig. Now I live with my wife and my son, Kevin, and started working with a company here in uh, Cork called DC and Company and moved on from that to uh, Brew Vodka. Uh, we have a small little... I remember. Oh, yeah. is, is, is that still available? Can it is, yeah, yeah. Still available, but we kicked it off with David Phelan and uh, I was... I was always interested in production a bit, so I used to work down in Cabri Milk Products where the product was distilled. And then I moved on from that and um, I kind of moved into um, Kinsale and I got involved in the Blue Haven Food Company at that point in time, about 2011-12. That moved to Little Island, where we are domiciled today. And in 2014, uh, Jim O'Mahony, former CEO of Golden Vale, uh, purchased the business uh, with myself, uh, I own 30% of it. And uh, Jim and I founded Kinsale Bay Food Company and launched it on the shelves in January 2015. Now, people will recognise it straight away because uh, where I recognise it from is you're in Super Value, predominantly, is it? But have you spread elsewhere? We have, Jonathan. Over the years, we have developed Musgrave Super Value, Dunn Stores, Tesco, and we have 85 artists in stores nationwide. So... They've been very good to us over the years and have given us great support over the last eight or nine years. Tell us why. I mean, wh- wh- why food and and why this particular type of food, which is uh, it, some convenience, uh, you've got your pâtés in there, you've got your soup. So why, do, why that road and why now? I suppose, Jonathan, eight years ago, we kicked off with gluten-free, um, which I suppose at the time people didn't really know much about it. I don't think I knew too much myself. But we got into that uh, we could see the market was growing and Ireland was moving in a different r- direction and we could see the convenience meals market slowly growing but gluten free was something that uh, people didn't really know much about but it was a free from and 
we did a good bit of research on it and see, saw again that it was growing. Now, gluten, food intolerance, and, and if, you're, if, if you can't take gluten in your, in your diet, well, then there's only one way to do it. You can't. There's no medical condition known, so you just buy gluten-free food. Mm. And that, that's a very small group, and I know two members mm. of my own immediate family ha- have got gluten yeah. intolerance, but there are others who choose it as a choice. Correct. We appeal to three types of market uh, customer, Jonathan. We got the gluten-free um, celiac. We have the people who choose to go on a gluten-free diet that it's good for them. They don't want gluten in their diet. They're health, fitness conscious people. They're, they like well-being. Um, they see gluten and other products, uh, other uh, free from ingredients that they don't need in. They want to put it in their diet. And then we appeal to, we'll say the 55 year upwards empty nesters they're called on their own uh, we produce a product that is one serving uh, good nourishing food um, one portion no waste everything we do is recyclable we're a member of Origin Green with Board Be a fantastic initiative we're a Repack uh, member of Repack so everything we do is um, recyclable one portion no waste good quality Convenient mm. and, and and that's an ethos. And a, a company's ethos is really important because without an ethos, you actually all, all you are is you're drifting. So, w- when you set all of that up, like, did you go? I I, there, I have a market in mind. I know what I want to do with it. I want to make sure that the product is right. Uh, and you know, yourself and Jim produced Kinsale Bay food. Is is is, yeah. is, it, is it that simple? Well, <laughs> I wish it was, Jonathan. <laughs> but the, uh, I suppose the focus and the ethos behind it was that we were in that marketplace anyway. And we looked at it and we said, look, if we're to ramp the business up and grow it, uh, there was considerable investment, which we put into it. But we did see going down that route as saw the trends and we work a lot with people like Board B, Board East QR and those, and they give you good information. And then again, when you go to the likes of Musgraves uh, and their buyers and Tesco and Dunn stores, the buyers give you feedback and you must take that feedback on board and Mm. you could see the way the trends were going and, you know, I was listening to a program the other night in television and it's not that we have a shortage of houses in this country, but we have a shortage of the right type. You can see in other cities, and I've been to places like Berlin and that, a lot of apartments, two bedroom, one bedroom apartments. And I think the way we're going, space is getting harder to get. Cities like Dublin, Cork, Limerick, Galway, Waterford, I see those areas in the future as being hubs of development. I think there's a fantastic future for Cork as well and for business. And again, you're going to be looking for more apartment type buildings, mm. two bedroom, three bedroom, uh, less space, no big place for waste. And people looking for convenient options. Correct, Jonathan. And good quality. We Our ethos down in Kinsale Bay is we're a small business. We have only 15 people. I've got fantastic people with me. I've got a great owner in Jim and his wife and his family back us all the way and uh, we've got great support so we are a small little Irish business we're very careful in what we make yeah. we're I, everything we do we still do a lot of it by hand well you see and, and the great thing about it and what the instant parallel I can see is in that chair a couple of weeks ago we collect Toomey from Clonakilty yeah Black fantastic Pudding. lady yeah. and uh, I was driving back up from uh, the launch of Pure Cork uh, and through Clonakilty and she was telling me about their fantastic new facility down there mm. and I saw it and I went you know from 
the humble beginning that they yeah. had to the point they're at now. And you're, you're just on a slightly different part of that journey by the sounds of it, Tommy. We are, Jonathan. We're, we're fortunate. We own our own facility in Little Island. It's a 40-year-old building, so I kind of, four years ago, rebuilt the whole thing and production with very good people like uh, Paddy O'Leary, who's class engineering, myself. I have some very good close people who helped us. And uh, our facility is, I would hope, one of the best little gluten-free facilities in Ireland. We're totally gluten-free. Well, you, you have to be, though, don't you? Oh, yeah, if, yeah. if any gluten gets in at all, You're, you can't call yourself no gluten-free. Cross, no, we can't even. The people who work there, our staff canteen has about four different um, tunnels that you have to get through before you get to the factory. And they decloak and they wash hands and everything. So and we're, Eleanor Downs, my quality control lady below, is brilliant. And sh- so you can't, you won't, if you're not, Compliant with everything today, Jonathan. Mm. You you know, we're compliant with EHO. We're audited by Musgraves, Tesco, Duns. And that's the way well, it has, it has to, be. to be done. And proper order. Tell me, you know, you, you won seven All-Irelands, right? Back in the 70s. You probably didn't know how your life was going to go at that point. I mean, you, 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 you can't get better than that, walking up the steps <laughs> in Croke Park seven times. But, you know, did you think your life was going to go this direction? Did you think that this was going to be how Tommy was going to... No, the rest of his no Jonathan, my big uh, claim to fame was I'd love to have a little pub down around some country area with a few dogs and, you know, and, and things change. I Funny enough, I always liked the thought of producing maybe a little bit of competitiveness in there to be the best. Um, but on the, well, I do get a fantastic kick or lift when I walk into a, a store, my own local shop in Banning College, um, and Super Value Banning colleague. Now, Sean Quish. Uh, That's and, right. And, and uh, Karma Quish, who yeah. was on this podcast recently. Great supporters of ours. We sh- we're only back the road in Aylesbury, just back there by the rugby club, and uh, my wife shops there every day. But when you go in and you walk around and you look at everything and then you pick up your own product, as in Kinsale Bay, and I have to think of doors opening every morning at six o'clock, deliveries from six to eight, seven days a week, and what it goes through to get it on the shelf. And you just kind of look at it. And I was fortunate to won all Ireland medals and Captain Kerry in 86 to a three in a row and everything. But that gives me a good mm. a kick as anything. But you're still winning medals. Cause, and now I have to say, by the way, anyone who ever listens to this podcast knows that the way to my heart is to bring product. <laughs> and you, to be fair to you, you did. But there are loads of little medals that you're after winning as well in terms of awards. So what, what have you won? I suppose, Jonathan, over the last seven or eight years, I've been lucky enough that I've been involved in Great Taste Awards and uh, Free From Awards and uh, Blossom Hair and Awards for all the different types of products. But lately, last year and this year now, we've uh, only last Thursday night week above at the Free From Awards in Dublin, a huge event, 500 people at it, sold out. We won a gold medal for our chicken liver. That's about the third gold medal it has won. We won a gold medal as well for our um, chowder. And uh, our fish pie, which is a gold medal winner itself, but in its own category, was in the, amongst every ready meal in Ireland of all different flavours, beef and everything, and won a bronze, which is good because the last thing you might have is a fish pie. You know, we're a beef-eating country. Yes. So, and the year before that, two years ago, that product won a gold medal at the Great Taste. And so we've been working through the awards and these awards are, you know, very competitive. You don't get nothing for nothing. It's They're on their own. They're tasted in quality. And that's our big ethos. Yeah. We're small. If we don't live up to quality, we have no chance. 
The question I have to ask you is, you know, you, you've taken it so far since you launched this particular brand in 14. Where are you going with it? I mean, what, what's, what's the game plan here? <laughs> Good question, Jonathan. The game plan, Jonathan, is for me is to make Kinsale Bay Food Company a household name or a brand, but for it to be recognised for they make good food, they make honest, wholesome food, they do what they say, we have a clean label, and the people trust in the brand. There's two things we need to do. We're small, you know, we don't have bags of money. Just create awareness for our brand and get people to continue to go back and buy it. And the way they'll do that is by having trust. And the only way to give that trust to the consumer that'll he'll look at your product is make sure when they buy it, they're getting value. They're getting value on quality, taste, and they consider it something good. It's great to see the passion that you have for the brand. And uh, all Thank I can you. say is wish you continued success. Uh, thank you so much for dropping it into us. Welcome. And we, I'll be picking up more now that I know a little more about the brand from the shelf when I'm out no. in the super value as well. Uh, Tommy Doyle, uh, I have to, I asked Stephanie as well. I mean, obviously, your opinion counts here rather than mine or hers. Are Cork going to do it this year in the Munster <laughs> final? Good question, Jonathan. You know, at the moment you have Dublin way out there at the moment. Uh, Cork and Kerry will always play a very competitive game between the two. It could go one way or the other. I'm that is the most you... diplomatic, <laughs> typical, mealy-mouthed Kerry answer you could possibly well, give Jonathan, me. Jonathan, there's an old saying, a Kerry man will always answer you with another question. <laughs> Tommy Doyle of the Kinsale Bay Food Company. Thank you for joining Thank us you, and continued success. Thank you very much. My thanks to Tommy and to Stephanie. Of course, as always, Neave Hennessy was the producer. If you want to get in contact with the programme, redbusiness at redfm.ie. We'll catch you on the next. The Red Business Podcast with CompuBee Business. Improving productivity with the latest Apple technology. CompuBee.com.